Good evening, and welcome to the City Club of the Mahoning Valley. I'm Lauren Johnson, manager of the 422 Corridor and Business Development at the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber and a proud member of the City Club. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Stambaugh Auditorium for the second annual State of the Valley Forum. When discussing regional growth and development, much of the conversation often focuses on job creation, talent attraction and retention, and investment dollars. While these factors are important, we can't underestimate the critical role education, arts and culture, healthcare, and politics play in shaping a region's population density and growth. Tonight we'll hear from Mahoning Valley leaders as they share how programs and initiatives in each of these areas are working in concert with economic development efforts to continue to grow the valley. Joining us on stage are Sarah Boyarko, Chief Operating Officer at the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber, Tracy Hotstetler, Superintendent of the Mahoning County Educational Service Center, Karen Schubert, Director of Lit Youngstown, and Patricia Sweeney, Health Commissioner of the Mahoning County District Board of Health. Guiding tonight's conversation is Andrew Meyer. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here. We thought it'd be helpful to kick off the evening with giving each of the panelists a chance to say 30 seconds about themselves. So without further ado, we'll work from the opposite end here and start with Sarah Boyarko. Thank you. Um, good evening, everyone. Uh, Sarah Boyarko, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber. Um, as an organization, we serve, provide business services, excuse me, to our nearly 2,600 members, and we are also the lead uh, economic development entity overseeing expansions on a local level and attraction of new investment to the market. Hello everyone, my name is Tracy Hostetler. I'm the superintendent at the Mahoning County Educational Service Center. What we do is provide difficult to staff uh, resources for our districts. We provide specialized services like OT, PT, speech, psychology, um, preschool, uh, professional development for our teachers, principals, superintendents, and we serve about 45,000 students in the Valley. We have districts aligned with us in Mahoning, Trumbull, and Portage counties, and then we also serve districts in other counties as well. So I'm glad to be here tonight. Thank you. My name is Karen Schubert. Um, I'm the co-founder and director of Lit Youngstown, a literary arts nonprofit uh, that has programs for readers, writers, and storytellers. Um, I have a BA and MA in English from YSU and an MFA in creative writing. And I'm a relative newcomer to Youngstown. Um, before this, I lived in, um, I visit, grew up visiting my grandparents in Bezetta Township, and um, I lived for 20 years in Wisconsin. So um, people have stopped asking me for, if I'm from Canada. So I've been here long enough that uh, people are getting used to me. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Pat Sweeney. I'm health commissioner for Mahoney County Public Health Department. We have a staff of about 70 registered nurses, sanitarians, dietitians, community health workers that all work to improve population health in Mahoney County. We are a chief convener. We try to bring groups together to address health issues, identify health problems, and collectively solve health problems in Mahoney County. Thank you all for being here for this evening's State of the Valley Forum. Um, each of you brings a distinct perspective in serving the Mahoning Valley. So speaking from your area of expertise, I'd like you to finish the following thought. The state of the valley is Pat. Wow. We just finished a community health assessment that is about 220 pages long. So if I was really dive into what's the status of health in Mahoney County, I'd have to say I'm going to preface the whole conversation with health outcomes are 20% related to access to health care, 30% related to behavior, 10% and 40%, 10% is environment, and 40% are the social conditions in which you live. So whatever we talk about related to health in Mahoney County, you have to look at the social issues that are really responsible for 40% of the health of Mahoney County. Karen. I think the state of the valley is arts rich. Um, I see arts everywhere I look, and I'm sure you do too. Here we're in this incredible architectural gem that has 
phenomenal programming. Um, the new amphitheater is so encouraging. I think we're attracting some incredible grants here. Um, the NEA Placemaker Grant, um, Lit Youngstown in the Public Library just got an NEA grant for a big read. Um, we have uh, schools at YSU that are graduating every year. We're uh, creative writers and um, uh, visual artists and performing artists. Um, I think the arts and culture sector with all of our festivals is really one of the strengths of, of life here. Really a, a big driver of the quality of a life. Thank you. Tracy. I would say that the future of the Valley is future focused. Uh, the ESC, the Educational Service Center, is working with partners through the Mahoning Valley um, Manufacturers Coalition, the Regional Chamber, through local colleges, um, the Builders Union, Skilled Trades. Uh, you know, we're, we're really looking at each child and what their dreams are and their hopes are and their skills and talents. And we're working cohesively as a team uh, with those entities in our school districts to enlighten students, to connect them with new opportunities and to guide them into careers that are careers that you and I don't even know exist. So we're very future focused. Okay, um, so I would say on the economic development side of things, um, we have a promising um, and very active uh, plentiful pipeline of opportunities uh, that we hope to secure in the next 12 to 24 months. The last few years have been um, active in local expansions as well as attraction of new investment. Um, in 2018, companies in our market or, or new companies coming to our market invested over $121 million worth of pending investment. Um, so far in 2000, excuse me, investment um, secured um, in 2019 year to date, over $200 million of investment has been announced already. Um, and we are currently managing over $1.5 billion worth of pending investment that again, we hope to see in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, we certainly cannot um, hide from or not acknowledge some of the challenges that we've had industry specific to the automotive industry. Um, and we look forward to supporting the future of that facility um, and the workers that will remain in our market. You kind of stole my next question, which has to do with, of course, the uh, ceasing the production at Lordstown. Um, it's been reported on not just locally and regionally, but it's been nationally reported. Uh, there is a buyer for the plant, uh, but one that would employ initially hundreds or thousands uh, once worked. Uh, for years, decades even, we've heard about the decline of industry and manufacturing in Northeast Ohio. Looking ahead to the coming year, uh, is there anything to indicate specifically that we're going to start to see reversal of these trends? So when we look at the 1.5 billion of pending investment, all of that is industrial in nature. So it is a company or companies manufacturing one or more products, um, or it is related to warehouse and distribution of products. So industrial is very strong here in our market, and that is the majority of what we track in, in regard to the figures that we release on an annual basis. Um, when we look at the General Motors facility, uh, yes, there is a potential buyer for that location, and they are doing their due diligence on that building or at that site, um, and they would only use a, a portion of that facility, so the remainder of it would be unknown. Um, there are a whole variety of options should that we are managing and or keeping an eye on in partnership with uh, that community as well as General Motors, should that not pan out. So we're in a little bit of an unknown period right now with that facility being unallocated. It is not yet closed. Um, we have had the announcements of the supply chain closures um, and we, the chamber actually worked with the local business community to present over 100 employment opportunities for those individuals to apply to directly should they decide to leave uh, the General Motors list, if you will, as well as those facilities closed. And I would say most recently, the one that we experienced related to that industry is um, the announcement from Falcon and those, the majority of those folks were scooped up pretty quickly. So the good news is there, there are employment opportunities to keep those folks here in our market, um, and we're going to have to keep an eye on and see how we support what the ultimate future of General Motors looks like, that facility. And then to follow up, in terms of where the economy is going, in terms of diversification and what sectors we should be looking at in terms of rising, um, 
In your opinion, uh, with the chamber, what's that next area we should be looking for that's really going to plant their flag here in the Mahoning Valley? So if I could answer two pieces to that. So I think that collectively the community, the business community, um, the support services, economic development professionals have done a really good job over the years of diversifying our industries in the market. So many of the companies that maybe would have closed because of the General Motors situation have not because they worked very hard to diversify over the years. So that is one good thing out of that. Um, some of the things that we look at are not only diversification with an industry, but also diversification of employment opportunities. So there's something available for everyone, no matter their current skill um, and career opportunities. Um, we look at growing trends, right? So our community geographically located is an excellent access to market. So we are historically very well liked as a geography for warehouse and distribution, and we're continuing to go in that direction. Um, food activity uh, with warehouse and distribution as well as processing or manufacturing is another hot area. Thank you. Uh, Pat Sweeney, uh, the county puts out a health assessment on a regular basis. Uh, I skimmed the most recent 200-page report, and I do want to emphasize skim, uh, but for those who don't even have the time to look at the report, what did it tell you in terms of some of the key takeaways that you're going to need to be focused on in the coming year? Well, there are truly a number of key takeaways. Probably one of the most resounding important issues to me was that of those that were surveyed and self-selected to respond to the survey, 34% stated that during the past year, they were unable to care for themselves or go to work because of a mental health concern either depression, anxiety, or, or a significant mental health diagnosis. That's over, that's 34%. That's, that's a third of the people responding. Correct. I mean, that's tremendous. No, that's, a, that's translated across the county as to 34%. That is generalizable data. So it's 34% of the county in that generalizable data has stated that's, that was their situation in this last year. No matter what jobs are available, no matter what you put forth as an opportunity for those individuals, if you're feeling that poorly in mental health and, in, and depression and anxiety, there's a significant issue. The million dollar follow-up is, of course, do you have the resources to help that population? Well, this is the assessment stage. Yeah. From the assessment, we go back into the community and we work with the community to identify, is that a priority to them? This is what the data says, but the data shows a lot of other issues as well. But if this is, an, an, is a priority, then the community needs to come together and tell us how we can address those, that as an issue. The employers need to come together with us and tell us how that can be addressed. Tracy Hosteller, um, for the Mahoning County Educational Service Center, what are the challenges and also the opportunities that are facing you and all the schools that you help um, support in the five county area? for the coming year. Right, I think the biggest challenges have to do with mental health. Um, we're in a similar situation that children are facing issues of depression and anxiety. Um, they're coming to school in families who are depressed or anxious, and it really uh, doesn't lend well to them learning and, and eventually being employable, which affects you know, the, the entire region. So. Um, the governor has put forth the education bill that we should be hearing about soon. Um, it will bring, if it passes uh, like it, we're hoping it will, uh, it'll bring over $5 million to the county uh, for mental health services. So the Educational Service Center is working with districts now, with um, the social workers in the districts, with counselors, with school psychs, with superintendents and principals, and trying to figure out what the kids need so that we can properly serve them next year. Um, you know, just even simply identifying, of course, it presents differently for a fifth, fifth grader than it might a five-year-old or than it might a senior. Uh, you know, the, the withdrawal of students, the lack of attention in class, some acting out issues that, you know, when I was a kid, we would have been put in the hallway or the corner or given a detention. And now we're more aware and we're, we're trying to recognize what those issues are and then provide them with the proper support to at least meander through the issues and, and try to seek help. You've identified a need. Again, the question is about resources. Are there the resources there to properly help 
all those students, all those kids who need the help? Well, I think $5 million is a good start. Um, it, the governor has uh, the money planned by district based on uh, student poverty and the needs of each district. So, of course, the more impoverished larger districts will be getting a larger amount than the wealthier smaller districts, and, and that's fine. We would expect that. Um, and then the districts will be expected to work with ESCs or, um, um, you know, the um, mental health boards and things like that. So it's not just going to be, you know, handed to a district superintendent, here's $500,000, spend it. It's going to be dedicated for certain services in collaboration with certain entities. So it is a good start. I'm really happy that we're finally taking notice that there are some significant developmental um, base issues that kids have that, that are really holding them back from what they could be. Karen Schubert, on Lit Youngstown's website, uh, your site, it says, quote, Youngstown has a long and abundant history of writers, close quote. Uh, what about the present? Is Youngstown and the Mahoning Valley a welcoming place for writers and really for all artists? And uh, what's your plan to make it even more so, if, it's, if it is? Yes, I think, I think it really is. Um, the Northeast Ohio is very literary arts rich, um, but we have, uh, um, more to answer more narrowly, we have um, a fall literary festival, a big two-day conference that will be bringing in hundreds of people including presenters uh, from as far away as Michigan and Maine and um, some pretty well-known writers in the area. We also have really informal um, programs like our winter writing camp that is an all-day intergenerational, just like high-energy um, day for kids and adults. Um, so we're really hoping to, you know, um, I think in a community with so much humanitarian need, it's really important not to see the arts as a luxury. I think the arts are really a critical component of not only expression um, as a community that's going through trauma, but also as a mechanism for healing, for connection, for developing empathy. Um, there's so many studies that show that participating in the arts are so good for for making connections in the brain and strengthening all kinds of skills. And we also know the arts are uh, half a billion dollar, um, the creative um, industries are half a billion dollar uh, generator in our valley as well. So I think there are just so many good things that come out of arts investment. You mentioned a half billion dollar creator. Uh, is, that's not just in Northeast Ohio, is it? That's that is um, just in Youngstown. Wow. Mm -hmm. So we are one of um, six metropolitan areas that generated over 70% of the creative economy economic activity, mm -hmm. according to Ohio Citizens for the Arts. At 1%, we earned our own little slice of the pie. So it's small, but um, I think that's really significant. Thank you. Our panelists tonight represent four distinct areas of life in the Mahoning Valley, the arts, education, health, and the economy, uh, but their interests overlap. And I want to spend a little bit of time looking at the potential for common goals and challenges. I'm going to direct the next set of questions to one member of the panel, but panelists, please feel free to jump in if you have anything to add. Um, how about the economy and health? Uh, Pat Sweeney, some of the health challenges you deal with are certainly an outgrowth of the stresses that we see in the economy. As I excuse me, mentioned when I opened, 40% of our health outcomes, excuse me, this is apparently not working, 40% of our health outcomes are directly related to our place, where we're born, where we live, our zip code, and the social conditions in which we live. So if the economy and education and job opportunities and housing is not up to par, then our health is not up to par because that contributes to 40% of your health outcomes. So you're more likely to have diabetes, you're more likely to have heart disease, you're more likely to not have access to healthy foods, you're more likely to not have access to an, a safe place to be physically active. All of those things play directly into your rates of diabetes, your rates of heart disease, your rates of hypertension. We have a 58% African-American hypertension rate. 58% of our African-American population has been diagnosed with hypertension. That's high blood pressure. 
It's treatable. How, how treatable is it? It depends on your income, your access to health care. So all of those things fit together, and it's definitely tied to our economy and our education and our housing and the safety in our communities. That's responsible for more than your biology or your parents or your choices. Panelists? I'll jump in. Uh, certainly we see that in, in education. Kids coming to school malnourished, they might be afraid of their free breakfast, even though most districts have free uh, breakfast for all students. We have a lot of students that don't sign up for free lunches, even though they would qualify for such. So the good news is in the state of Ohio, uh, administrators can overwrite that um, and sort of just ignore the parents and, and you know not require their input. Um, but certainly we know that there are kids who are more interested in skipping breakfast or lunch than being perceived as the poor kids who don't have food. And, um, you know, they, they are not ready to learn. They're, they're tired. Their brains aren't developing at the same pace. I'm not a medical professional, but I know that your body needs to be nourished so that you, that you work right, you know, that your brain, that your heart, that your, your blood and all of your organs are working simultaneously and symbiotically so that you're prepared for what comes at you next. Lots of kids are lethargic and, and sick, and it's largely, um, you know, due to the nutrition issues that they face. I want to follow up uh, concerning the kids these days and how they are the pipeline for our next generation of workers. Um, and I was curious to hear your thoughts uh, about the opportunities here for, for long-term planning that can ensure that the students today are also getting the support that they need to be properly prepared to be the region's next generation of the workforce. I am super proud of what we're doing in this arena. Uh, we have a business advisory council that most of our districts in Mahoning County are aligned with and some districts in other counties are also aligned. Uh, the Business Advisory Council is the group that's working with the colleges and universities as well as the Manufacturers Coalition and the, the skilled trades and the builders unions and, and so forth. And this summer alone, what we've done so far, we have a bus tour for students. So this bus tour, you might have seen something on the news, but they pick up several kids from several different school districts, and they drive them around to different entities, to different businesses, so that they can see a variety of angles from each business. So even if they're in the steel mill, they'll see how you make steel, but they'll also see uh, the guys at the computer, the secretarial, uh, the managerial, similar with uh, hotels, they'll see you know, the cleaners and the, and the um, office managers and the um, you know, front desk individuals, but they're, they're, our goal is to get them to see every aspect um, of, of any entity that would take us in. A lot of manufacturing entities did, so thank you in advance for that. Um, but really just exposing them to the various opportunities that are out there, because I think so many of them don't know. Sarah, uh, I, let me get you in on this. Um, the role the Chamber can play in helping to facilitate businesses and participating that, you know, come 10 years from now, come 15, 20 years from now, they're going to have the workforce here locally that they need to continue on and thrive. Absolutely. So this is something that we're constantly looking at. Um, a company cannot, a local company cannot expand without an existing workforce, and they're constantly going to be looking at or always going to be looking at the pipeline to fulfill their future workforce needs. Um, years ago, when I first started in economic development, workforce need was within the top five, sometimes top 10 of their decision-making factors. It is the last few years that it has become, it is always number one. They want to know, is there an available workforce? What is the story of our community? But now we're also having to create opportunities for that future pipeline. Um, one such example, I can mention that there is a significant need in the warehouse and distribution arena, and we've worked with um, the Village of Lordstown School District to create an opportunity for a warehouse and logistics program in, at the high school level. So when the students are out of graduating school and they're out of school, they can either go on to um, an extended program at the university level or they can start work that day. So we're looking at creating more opportunities that way to serve the business community in an effort to ensure that we continue communicating with the educators in our market 
Um, we are constantly looking to partner and making sure that those individual companies are being vocal about what their needs are today as well as where they see their industry going in the future around automation um, and or new employment opportunities that might go along with that uh, change within their specific industry. Karen, um, to the arts and the economy. Are the arts getting their due in the Mahoning Valley? Um, what more do you need from the business community, from government, from the people who live here? I would like for um, the community to see the arts as a vehicle for the goals that we share. Um, there are so many ways that the arts can, can generate that kind of connective activity. Uh, for example, um, in, at Akron Children's Hospital, uh, one of the pediatric oncologists said that, told us this story that she heard on uh, one of her wings a child laughing. I thought, that's a sound we never hear. And we can't heal their whole selves if we're only healing their bodies. And so Akron Children's Hospital has invested in artists and art therapists to bring arts into the lives of these kids. Um, there's so many other ways that the arts can, can serve in this way. For example, the Community Foundation, the Community Foundation of Mahoney Valley is um, having a program right now which is called Where Sidewalks End, and they will use the arts to show the experience of lack of infrastructure, lack of pedestrian infrastructure. Um, the NEA Big Read grant will give us the opportunity to have everyone in the community read us the same book at the same time and talk about all of these issues that surround the book. So we, the book we selected was called Into the Beautiful North by um, Luis Alberto Urrea. It's about this scrappy 19-year-old growing up in Sinaloa, Mexico. And so we're going to use that as an opportunity to have a community-wide conversation on on the issues that the book surrounds, immigration, migration, cultural identity, um, opioids and trafficking, and, and other things like that. So we can think of the arts as being fully integrated into these questions and problems and common goals. I'm Andrew Meyer, and tonight we are at the Stambaugh Auditorium listening to the 2019 State of the Valley Forum featuring Sarah Boyarco, Chief Operating Officer at the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber, Tracy Hostetler, Superintendent of the Mahoning County Educational Service Center, Karen Schubert, Director of Lit Youngstown, and Pat Sweeney, Health Commissioner of the Mahoning County District Board of Health. We're about to begin the audience Q&A portion. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, students, and those of you joining us via our Facebook Live video. If you'd like to tweet a question, please tweet it to at City Club MV and our staff will try to work it into the program. Uh, holding the microphones today are City Club Advisory Board members Tim Francisco and Carmilla Williams. Wave, guys. Show them where you are. Uh, may we have the first question, please? Hello, panel. This is uh, Tyler Adams. I'm with the Alzheimer's Association. And uh, my question's for you, Pat. You're pretty popular right now, um, <laughs> up on there. Um, but in Ohio, there are roughly 220,000 uh, people living with Alzheimer's disease. And in the next six years or so, that number is expected to grow to about 260,000. So kind of a two-part question for you. Uh, the first, during your assessment, uh, what was revealed about dementia and Alzheimer's in the Valley? And uh, a second part of that, um, what is being worked on to kind of combat that rise in the next few years or so? Really good question, because in the data that was collected in the survey and in the focus groups, Alzheimer's and dementia did not rise to the top of anyone's data collection piece. Um, some of the focus groups mentioned it, specifically in the rural areas, but it wasn't a high priority. However, when you look at the zip codes and the causes of death in the zip codes in Mahoning County, Alzheimer's and dementia is up there in, in one of the highest rated ratings, uh, along with cardiovascular disease and cancer. So as a community, we need to address what may not have been shown up in the, in the data, may not have shown up. So I would love to have you come along in, in this community health improvement planning process and join us to address needs that may not have come out of this survey. One-time survey and focus groups doesn't give you all the answers. 
Hi, my name is Samantha, and I'm with um, Youngstown Area Goodwill Industries. This question is for the chamber. I wanted to know, what do you see um, happening with the layoffs with Northside Hospital and General Motors? How do you see that workforce reacting, and how do you see the local businesses reacting to that workforce? And are there any disparities in the education they have uh, here in the Valley? Okay, can everybody hear me okay? My yeah, headset yeah. fell off. Um, so looking at maybe one all-encompassing answer. So right now in Mahoning, Trumbull, and Columbiana counties, collectively there are over 14,000 job openings available um, from entry level to higher education and beyond. Um, there are employment opportunities. There will be a bit of a disparity in some cases as to matching of the individual, individual with a new employment opportunity. Uh, what we need to do is ensure that the individual that's seeking the employment opportunity knows where to go and has access to the information on who's hiring. So the little bit of a matching, I think, is periodically an issue. Um, we created our Jobs Now program in response to that um, in partnership with WKBN to ensure that individuals know where to go to get an employment opportunity. Um, if we look at specifically at General Motors, it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, it's my understanding that that organization is going to and or may have already uh, provided a transfer opportunity to those individuals that are employed with General Motors. Now individually they will have to decide what they would like to do, um, whether they take the transfer or they stay here in our market. Um, as I mentioned previously, we provided a list of 100 employ over 100 employment opportunities. This list was given to the administration of each one of the automotive uh, industry, uh, automotive companies that made either an unallocated um, announcement or a closure. Um, as well, this information was given to their labor leadership to ensure it got into the hands of the individual. Um, I think that General Motors is a little bit more unique right now only because it's a little bit unknown, so we'll have to wait and see how things play out there. Uh, I know that as well, Eastern Gateway Community College has offered free education to anyone that was impacted by um, the automotive announcements that we have had over the past eight months or so. So there is an opportunity for additional education as well as for their family members. Um, when we look at something like Northside Hospital, um, I know that there were some local um, employers that stepped up and had an interest in uh, attracting as many of those talented workers as they could. So I think, again, we go back to ensuring that the individual, no matter the situation or educational level, is aware of the resources available to them and the additional employment opportunities in our market. I hope that answered your question. Good evening. My name is uh, Michael Patterson. I work for uh, Margaret W. Wong and Associates. We're an immigration law firm. And I just wanted to ask Ms. Hostetler, uh, does your um, institution provide bilingual services for the uh, youngsters? We do, yes. Um, we call it EL, which is English Language uh, Learners. Uh, we provide the services to, uh, through Title III funding, which is federal funding, um, to anyone that needs it. We do have a, an increasing population in Mahoning County, um, but we definitely, we do, mostly it's Spanish-speaking students. Okay, I know Karen's feeling lonely up there, so uh, I'll address the question to you. And it's, it's a broad question about arts leadership in the Valley, and you and I have worked together on lots of arts projects, so, so I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot because you're not accountable for it. But um, what do you think arts leadership in the Valley could do that they're not doing to improve the, um, you know, the, the quality of life in the community and, and, and extends beyond that. I mean, address it to all the issues you've talked about, and I think you made some good comments on that. I'm just say what triggered this, and it's very narrow, but um, just looking at the New York Times yesterday, I noticed that arts organizations across the country we're having special events because this is Pride Week for the LGBT community and for everyone, and uh, they've had some major exhibits and small organizations in the Valley have had addressed those issues over the years many times, but I'm not sure the large organizations have, and I'm just wondering, when we're talking about art leadership, it's usually at the top, what, would, what changes would you like to see, or how do you think they could be more proactive in addressing the needs of the community? I think um, there are not a number of things that can be done. I mean, besides the idea of just collaborating um, so that all of the resources are used more effectively. Um, 
one program, let me, let me just grab this one. I'm sorry for that radio, for the dead radio silence. But, um, so there's a program I think in, that's being done in Akron, but I know in Buffalo, um, I think it's called Arts Access, where anyone with, uh, um, who is on food stamps or um, Medicaid has free access to a number of arts programs every year. So theater and you know, all those live performances as well as as writing classes and programs and things like that. And I think that can, and that's all funded um, with grants and, um, and, and sponsors. So that solves a number of problems all at once. It helps bring in more children to create future art patrons. It also helps these wonderful organizations that have these beautiful buildings with the terrifying maintenance costs, right? It helps bring in more patrons and more money it helps create a space for the arts to bring in all kinds of people and, um, and just help to help do that cross-pollination. So that might be a great place to start and just to maybe be proactive to look at those kinds of opportunities. Um, you know, the, there are so many festivals and um, African-American History Month and Women's History Month. Uh, yeah, there were all kinds of opportunities to, to engage the community. I think that's a really great idea. Hello, Karen, a follow-on, please. How are we doing getting an A into the STEM program to make it STEAM programs? Where's arts factor in? You hear STEM, STEM, STEM. How about STEAM, STEAM, STEAM? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked me that. I actually wrote a little speech about that. <laughs> I think we... So to summarize, I think we, um, we really make a false choice when we're asked to choose between STEM and the humanities, right? Because, well, at once we are really called to understand the science of what's going on behind the really serious problems of our time, like our, our health um, crises and the climate change. Um, we, we also need the humanities to understand the economic and political policy that opened the door for the opiate crisis. And, political science, geography, and history to help predict climate change's impact on migration and social structure. And we need Americans to study and work in these fields. We need to stop discouraging students from studying the humanities. We can't get anywhere without the humanities. I feel very strongly about that. So I think let's change the conversation to be we need to know more. We have to know more than, we're, than we know right now. But it's not from this drawer or this drawer. We need all those drawers. Good evening. Um, I just was wondering if, you know, we hear the reports about the investment and the jobs, and then we hear the community health needs assessment that, you know, 40% of such and such is related to health. The, the health plays into our competitiveness as an economy. Are there efforts to combine what's happening in the economic situation with what's happening in the health uh, situation or trying to find um, connections there. I do a lot of research around the stress of poverty on mental health and just regular health. I also study uh, wages in the area. A lot of people don't like to hear it, but they're, they're not the greatest levels. So have you done anything to connect those two? I'm an absolute firm believer in the, the process of health and all policies that there isn't a person sitting in this room who isn't responsible for health. No matter what you do in your walk of life, whether you're zoning, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a philanthropist, whether you're an attorney, whether you're, you have a role to play in health because of the decisions you make. We have small local governments that make decisions about where to put a sidewalk or where not to put a sidewalk, or where to put another fast food restaurant, or where to, and all of those decisions made by those individuals directly impact health. Do we need a sidewalk so that we can connect that neighborhood to the shopping mall that can get them to the job that they need? Yes. But we don't think that way. And this is those decades of profit-driven, I would say, and I'm probably going to be shamed for that, but by uh, profit-driven and speed of the cars getting down the street to get to wherever yeah. has taken us, has put us where we are health-wise. And until we all recognize that we have a responsibility for those policies and change those policies, we're not going to get out of here. This is the first, and I've said this before, and people don't believe me, but this is truly the first generation 
that has not, is not going to have the same life expectancy as their parents. And people will say, well, that's not me. That's not my kids. Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. So our po we, health in all policies has to take, we all have to have that mantra. And to that extent, getting business directly engaged in those decisions. I'm fighting with my daughter, and she's going to kill me for saying this. They're building a new business, new structure in Boardman, right along Market Street. And I keep saying to her, just put a sidewalk in front. Like, the sidewalk to where? You know, and she won't do it. But I keep saying, well, if the next build person that builds puts a sidewalk, then eventually they'll connect. That's the way we have to start thinking. Please join us in that fight. So I will say that the business community is certainly paying attention and is certainly engaged. Um, I think some of it has been in certain circumstances forced because of the challenges they're facing with accessing um, the appropriate workforce to meet their specific needs, but also supporting the individual on the retention side of things. So we're seeing a lot of creative ideas around retention with our uh, business community uh, that are you know, providing, uh, providing lunch to their staff on a daily basis with healthy options that's one unique thing, and that they've had a better retention rate in that arena than they have at giving extra dollars. So they're trying to be really creative, not only for their bottom line, but also on the retention thing, the retention ends of things, as well as um, it, it has become more of a benefit that they're including on the retention end of things and or attraction of younger workforce to replace their workforce that's retiring. Um, the, you know, the 20 to 35 age group is looking for the wellness program and new things um, that will help them uh, be healthier in their daily activity. So I'm sure that there's a, a lot more to be done. Um, I know our organization is looking at some of those things on retention and being creative, um, but the business community is as well. I'm, I'm, it's you know baby steps and it's going in the right direction, um, but conversation and educating is number one. And, it, and just one thing real quick that the schools are doing, the state has a new um, drug-free seal that seniors get if they sign up for certain programs. It's mostly through career tech, but um, the students go through certain programs, they submit to random drug tests and that sort of thing. And then when industry wants to hire them, they know that the students went through the Healthy Alternatives program and, and that they were committed to staying clean and sober because that's one of the big issues that people have hiring students and young people is they can't pass drug tests. This is a question from Twitter. What would you like to see from Youngstown schools as a new leader takes the helm? I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the community support the new leader. Um, you know, Youngstown, thank you. Youngstown hired this man whom I've had the sincerest pleasure of speaking with. He's here somewhere. He's a giant man. I can't believe I can't see him. But, you know, he is in it. He wants to do what's right for the kids. He wants to, you know, further them to make the connections and to support them in, on every turn. And I think what I would like to see more than anything is the courage to allow him to lead and to wrap around in any way that he needs to meet their other needs. Sarah, I, mm -hmm. ha I have a question. Um, and, and I know the answer is complex, so I know this is a tough question. But as you mentioned, there are 14,000 job openings currently in the Mahoning Valley, yet we still seem to have some of the highest unemployment rates in the state. How do we draw a connection to that? Um, we, we know that the drug issue is one of the things that, that contributes to it. But how many of those jobs are living wage jobs? How does the job losses we have and the, the potential job growth that we have, how do they offset one another? It seems to me there's a disconnect there. Can you help us, all of you, help us understand that? Sure. I don't have any figures for you today, but I'd be happy to talk with you about that um, offline if you're interested in those numbers. Um, so the employment opportunities that are within the makeup of that 14,000 or so, and it does fluctuate, right? So um, it fluctuates for a whole variety of reasons. So uh, what we look at is entry level to higher uh, management, administration, CFO, CEO. 
Um, it is heavier on the, on the bottom end. Um, I'm not going to say that it's not. Um, but I think what it presents is an employment opportunity for everyone that is able and willing to work. Uh, I think there's a whole variety of reasons why we're not filling that. Transportation was brought up as one of the issues. Um, as well, I think that wellness is an issue. Um, I think that any one of us can think of reasons why some folks might not be at work. Um, and again, they're looking at the, the working population. Uh, there are some folks that are unable to work. So um, when we look at the larger picture and the larger number, those folks are not going to take up those employment opportunities. Um, so I don't know what else beyond that you might be looking for that I have with me today. So my, my question is, um, I recently had the chance to hear Aaron Gruel, who spoke um, of the Freedom Writers. And for those of you that may be familiar with the Freedom Writers, one of the toughest school systems and um, graduation rates that were deplorable and um, community and neighborhoods that were deteriorated. And uh, she was able to bring those students to great success and even had the opportunity to hear some of those students years later talk about their life and where they came from. The one thing she talked about, and it captured it, Karen Schubert, the, the comment about arts being tied in, was that it was only through the arts, their ability to write through self-expression, that they were able to get themselves to a point of hope and belief and encouragement that they can do something different. And that was blending that with education and with the health needs that they had and the drug issues that they faced. And at the bottom of all of that was keeping that hope and that faith. Um, my, my question to you is, Aaron became a navigator through those issues for each of those individuals individually. And we hear employers say, it's not my job to train. We hear um, teachers that say, it's not my job, it's my job to teach, but I can't take care of what happens at home. Um, if I'm at a, uh, a university, I may feel it's my job to enlighten and, and put thoughts and ideas in their mind and enrich their minds, but not to mentor and coach and so forth. My question to you is, how do we take what each of you um, bring and bring it together in a more seamless fashion so that we all become navigators of the students and the youth and those that need it in our community. Because each of the issues are not in isolation. They, the person that's struggling with education, is struggling with health, is struggling with something else, may love arts but can't get to it. Um, so my question is how do we build a more integrated community that, where we all become navigators of success for our youth? I think there are, have been already initiatives in place, and not enough of them. But for example, um, Lit Youngstown sponsored a uh, year of books of, that were centered around food. And we brought in food policy activist Mark Winnie, um, who wrote a book called Closing the Food Gap. And so we helped bring to the, to the table with a lot of support people who are also working pad and other people who are working on the food piece of the puzzle. And so that was a great conversation for a lot of different people. But also what he said was similar to what you said about health pad, just everyone who's working on anything needs to include food in that question. So that's exactly just, I'm just paraphrasing what you said, right? We need to, to think of all of these questions all at once. And, and I would like to speak to that. I know more districts that have food pantries, backpack programs for the weekend, um, closets for kids who need coats, clothes, shoes, prom dresses, homecoming dresses, seniors that are, are looking to get jobs, they have clothing for them. I think, honestly, if you wanna know what I think we can do to bring everybody together, is to shut down the naysayers. If there's a problem, be the solution. Stop getting on Facebook. Stop ridiculing people who are there. Are there great teachers? Are there terrible teachers? It's any other profession in the world. There's good and there's bad, but I'm telling you, we have an opportunity as a community, as a county, as a city, as, as grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, whatever, whatever role we serve, 
If we have a problem and all we do is complain about it, we're part of the problem. So I think working together and becoming a team to support those kids, no matter where you live, solve a problem you see. And find out what other communities have done, right? Mm -hmm. what is, what's worked other places? Let's try it. I think that there's so many excellent programs, as you mentioned, and so many good things going on. It's a matter of having a good understanding of where the resources are. So we talk about some of the challenges with folks accessing the employment opportunities. There could be 75, or 75 reasons why, but it's tackling them one at a time and making sure that we're going in the right direction. Quite interesting. In the focus groups that we've been holding, they have most of the groups have all said there are community resources available, and that's one of the strengths about yeah. Mahoning County, that the resources are there. But too often, people don't know how to access mm -hmm. those resources or where to find them or how to get to them. So that is a really excellent. Tonight at the City Club, we're at Stambaugh Auditorium listening to the 2019 State of the Valley Forum featuring Sarah Boyarko, Chief Operating Officer at the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber, Tracy Hostetler, Superintendent of the Mahoning County Educational Service Center, Karen Schubert, Director of Lit Youngstown, and Patricia Sweeney, Health Commissioner of the Mahoning County District Board of Health. Our moderator is Andrew Meyer. The City Club of the Mahoning Valley is presented by Bank of America, the Nordson Corporation Foundation, the Raymond John Wien Foundation, the Youngstown Foundation, and the Arnett Family Fund, a component fund of the Community Foundation of the Mahoning Valley. Additional support is provided by Youngstown State University and WYSU 88.5 FM. We're delighted to have many of our sponsors with us tonight. We appreciate your generous support of City Club programming. Additionally, we welcome guests at tables hosted by Aetna, the Business Journal, the Economic Action Group, Harrington, Hopi, and Mitchell, the JCRC of the Youngstown Area Jewish Federation, the League of Women Voters of Greater Youngstown, Veterans Haven Family and Community Services, and the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber. We thank all of you for being here tonight. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Ms. Boyarko, Ms. Hostetler, Ms. Schubert, and Ms. Sweeney. And thank you, Mr. Meyer, for moderating. Thank you, members and friends of the City Club. This forum is now adjourned.